The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. Let me open today's program by first acknowledging our men and women in uniform who are joining us over the Internet today, many from outposts far away from home, and also new listeners in Texas, Florida, New York, California, Ohio, and throughout all 50 states. Thank you for your emails and letters and also for making us part of your Newsweek. Now, many of you know that when it comes to politics, we work hard on this program to be nonpartisan. But as you also know, that does not mean that our guests don't have a strong point of view. It's not our job to censor, manipulate, water down, or amplify that point of view or even the solutions that our guests offer. Nor is it our job to tell you what you should think about what they say. There are plenty of places on the dial you can go to listen to hosts who will tell you exactly what you ought to think. That said, in a heated, divisive year like 2016, there seems to be quite a bit of confusion over where I stand on the political spectrum. Half the radio stations in the country claim I'm critical of Donald Trump and their listeners don't like that. And the other half say the exact opposite, that I am in Trump's back pocket owing to the fact that he endorsed my book. So before today's guest join uh, joins us... Uh, Let me just say this. (laughs) Let me get this out. Neither is true. I have repeatedly admitted that when it comes to the current presidential race, I am, as of this date, undecided. Like a lot of Americans, I am having a hard time with both candidates. So I have decided to get as much information as I can between now and when I must cast my ballot And as I am a registered independent, I feel no obligation whatsoever to either Clinton or Trump. But more importantly, let me just say this. Even if I did, this program is no place to express those views. My job as a host is to act as a facilitator. And uh, while that may sound easy to some of you, well, you just try keeping James Carville or Michael Flynn on point. (laughs) So, okay, so uh, now that we've straightened that out, I'm anxious to bring on a senator who knows an awful lot about partisan party labels and how difficult it has become to uh, to put practice ahead of politics Democrat-turned-Republican Mr. Norm Coleman is going to be joining us in just a moment. And while I normally like to offer a little background on my guests, I understand Mr. Coleman has limited time today. So let me just briefly say that you know Coleman for his work in growing jobs in the state of Minnesota by over 7%, cutting taxes, and bringing back the National Hockey League, as well as his hotly contested election against Al Franken, where Coleman lost by a mere 312 votes. Today, Mr. Coleman works for Hogan Lavelle's as a government advisor. He is the CEO of the American Action Network and also an active member of the National Advisory Council for the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition, and also, and this is very important because we're going to hear more about this in, later in today's program, he is an advocate for Voices of Vietnam. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, Senator Norman Coleman. Thank you for joining us today, Senator. Rebecca, it's, it's a great pleasure. I, I do have to note that uh, I, when I was mayor of St. Paul, and, and I had the great pleasure of, of dropping the puck opening night with Minnesota Wild, 
had their first game. We had lost to Dallas, the, the North Stars to Dallas. I brought hockey back to Minnesota, and and, and, uh, and people in Minnesota, when you brought when I brought back hockey, people would would say, "Well, I could walk on water." But then I remind people who are not from Minnesota that Minnesota, you can walk on water six months of the year because it's frozen. <laughs> so, so it wasn't a miracle that I performed, but uh, it was. Uh, one of those things as an urban mayor to kind of bring a, a, kind of a, that sense of community and, and, and hockey is certainly big in, 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 uh, in Minnesota and St. Paul. Well, should you run again in Minnesota? I think there's your slogan, uh, you know, the, the senator that walks on water six months of the year. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a miracle. It would be a good thing. It would be an, it would be an, an okay thing. And, and I appreciate you, you uh, mentioning the, uh, the, the voices of Vietnam and the uh, uh, the La Dai Han. I, I, I do have to know, again, another Minnesota connection. So you actually grew up in, in Laos uh, uh, in the, during the days of the Vietnam War. Is that, my, is that a, my correct understanding? Yeah, my dad worked for the CIA. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, my yeah. father worked in uh, covert operations for the CIA. And right in the middle of the Vietnam War, as you're well aware, there was a war being waged in Cambodia by the Khmer Rouge and also by the path at Lao in Laos. And uh, the military had a discreet, Laos wanted to maintain its neutral status, even though the uh, U.S. military had bases in there. And uh, we lived illegally, without passports, without anything in Laos for several years uh, until the war started being wound down. And one of the Minnesota connections is that we have, I believe, the largest Hmong, H-M-O-N-G, Hmong. Yes, you do. Yes, you In the country. Yes, and what a lovely people. Uh, a passive, many, loving, many, peaceful many monk ceremonies. Uh, I, I got to know General Bang Pao, who was the uh, the, the the leader of, of, of that community. And a very rich community. And, you know, now we have uh, Hmong state representatives and city council members and, and who knows, Mayor St. Paul in, in 10 years, 20 years could be from that community. So it's really it's a great American story. It, it is. American now, we're going to talk about voices in just a minute. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the current race that's going on. Uh, most of the polls indicate that the economy is currently the number one concern in this election. And in, in your state of Minnesota, you instituted a very impressive jobs creation program. I was wondering if you could tell us a little about what you did to stimulate job growth and whether you think that's scalable on a national basis. Well, yeah, I, the the answer is 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 it is scalable because what I did, by the way, when I was mayor, uh, there were uh, mayor Tamari Giuliani was mayor, Ed Rendell in Philadelphia was mayor. Uh, number, I, I think, uh, a time kind of the resurgence of the, of the urban center. Uh, and so I didn't raise taxes for eight years. I cut three quarters of the license to business. I, I, I was a, a, a Democrat, but a conservative Democrat, turned Republican because my party left me, and that, that hasn't changed. But, but the idea of generating job growth by creating an environment in, in which business can flourish and in, in, in which uh, innovation can flourish, I, you know, I, I, as, as I cut three quarters of the licenses to do business. Uh, in in the city, I cut my economic development agency in terms of bureaucracy, but they were still more productive. Of course, that's scalable. Things that mayors did and, and what governors did, and you know, welfare reform. What was a it was Tommy Thompson in in Wisconsin, and so you really do need to look at the local level. We saw how those things work. I I used to say the best mayors in America, when I was a mayor, were either Republicans or Democrats who governed like Republicans, uh, and so I I think those those principles of creating an environment that fosters job growth, that fosters opportunity, uh, I, I think are absolutely critical, and, and that's certainly scalable. And unfortunately for our nation, that hasn't been the case. You know, this lowest economic great recovery, you know, perhaps of all time, uh, the, the economy is moving at this kind of tepid pace. Uh, and, and so, uh, and it and has built frustration. Uh, the middle class has is, 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 is been fading away. One third of those who are in the middle class in the 70s are no longer in the middle class today. And so as a result of this kind of slow economic growth, slow recovery, declining middle class, millennials, you know, debt through the roof, you've got this anger out there and this kind of this popular up, populist uprising. And the result is you're seeing it, you know, played out, by the way, here. I think you're seeing it played out, by the way, in Europe, too. I mean, look at Brexit. Look at Brexit. Look at the American populace, uh, people frustrated with the system, not taking care of their needs, frustrated with bureaucracy. Uh, and, and so... Yeah, I, I think the things that one does on, on local level, mayors and governors, I, I, I wish more of them were in Congress because the other side of the coin, Rebecca, is something you touched upon very early on, is that you also have to work with folks on the other side of the aisle. You, you gotta, right. it, it's not just standing in your corner. I, I was a, 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 a Republican. I had to work with, with, with the city council. 
and and I said I had to get at least three votes. You know, and when I was in the Senate, and we were there were 55 Republicans, you needed 60 to get something done. So you needed to work with Democrats. We've lost a lot of that today. Well, that's a very good point. And you look at the mayors of the major cities in the United States and governors, and you see that they give us the example of working on a bipartisan uh, basis. Now, we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with Senator Norm Coleman. You're listening to the Costa Report. Biodiversity is the very fabric of our lives. It is everything around us, all of nature. But human impact is diminishing biodiversity at an alarming rate. And because of that, the intricate web of biodiversity is unraveling in ways we don't fully understand, and our world is becoming less resilient. That's why we are biodiversity advocates. We're the E.O. Wilson Biodiversity Foundation. Guided by the greatest living naturalist, E.O. Wilson, we champion research and education that expands our understanding of biodiversity and informs worldwide conservation efforts. The E.O. Wilson Biodiversity Foundation is building a movement of environmental stewards like you who share our sense of responsibility for the living world that is our home. Join us in our quest to protect biodiversity, the fabric of our lives. Visit eowilsonfoundation.org. holiday season is just around the corner and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, and this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. One of the most important health strategies you can use is simple, easy, and won't cost you a dime. In fact, you'll probably end up making money in the long run. I'm talking about reducing calories and even fasting, healthy ideas that have been practiced for thousands of years. Caloric restriction and fasting turn on genes that stimulate growth and repair and slow down the aging process. If done correctly, they can help keep the body in fat-burning mode. And they've got important effects on stimulating motivation and drive and brain power. After all, when someone's young and ambitious, we often say that they're hungry. In a famous experiment in the 1940s, scientists from the University of Chicago showed that they could increase lifespan of animals by up to 20% simply by denying them food every third day. And in a review that was published in 2007 in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, researchers from the University of California at Berkeley found that alternate day fasting could save lives by decreasing risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, the three leading causes of death in the United States. Moreover, they found it helpful for the nervous system and the brain, improving cognitive function and providing protection from Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, too. Fasting lowers insulin levels in the blood, which is always a good thing. Excessive insulin secretion is associated with all chronic degenerative diseases, as well as accelerated aging. And keeping insulin stable and low is one of the most effective ways to assure a long, healthy, and disease-free life. Pharmacist Ben here, urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senator of Minnesota, Mr. Norm Coleman. And before the break, 
you were pointing out that Americans are frustrated by excessive regulations, tax burdens, lack of opportunity, and that many of the tools used by today's successful mayors and governors are, in fact, scalable and can work on a national basis. Is that right? Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, it's uh, uh, it's us, by the way, on a family level. It's like living within your means. That's actually kind of a pretty good place to start, you know. Uh, and and uh, these things, are they are scalable. The, the challenge is uh, that Washington is just so dysfunctional today. Yeah, an interesting statistic about, about the, kind of the polarization, kind of we, we've, the middle has disappeared. In 1982, 1982, uh, 58% of the United States Senate would have described themselves in the middle. In other words, the most liberal Republican was, was more liberal than uh, conservative Democrats. Today, the answer is zero. Zero. In other words, Susan Collins, most liberal Republican, she's more conservative uh, than, than, than Joe Manchin from West Virginia. The interesting thing during that same period, Rebecca, the ideology of Americans hasn't changed. You know, 40-something percent are moderate, uh, about 30-something percent conservative, 27 percent liberal. That We haven't changed. But, but our systems that, that govern us have changed and become much more polarized. Uh, as a result, much less able to kind of do business, take care of the people's, the, the people's needs. So are there solutions out there? You're a believer in that. That's, you know, your, your, your career is, you know, we can, we can deal with complex <laughs> problems. Uh, and, and government's no different. Uh, but, yeah, yes, you can start at the local level, figure out what you have to do, and, but then have the capacity. The system has to have the capacity to be open to change. The system has to have the capacity to, to work together. The system has to have the capacity to kind of entertain ideas from the other side and then look to find the common ground to get the problem fixed. Well, you're absolutely right. I spent a lot of time in Washington, and I describe it as an oppositional culture. And I tell people, you know, if, if you're a Republican or Democrat, I don't care. But if you're a Democrat that thinks Republicans are wrong 100% of the time, and you're a Republican that thinks the Democrats are wrong 100% of the time, there's something wrong there. They can't be wrong 100% of the time. And when we have, we have things that get passed without participation from the other side, you know, Obamacare being an example, they're, they're, they're actually, uh, Rebecca, there actually are some Republican ideas about health care. Uh, believe it or not, uh, we actually <laughs> care about, you know, people having quality, affordable, accessible health care uh, without the government taking it over. But you passed Obamacare without a single Republican. That was one of the unfortunate consequences of my election when, when I, after a nine-month recount, uh, finally lost. Uh, and all inspectors switch parties. All of a sudden, you had 60 Democrats. So you get an Obamacare pass without a single vote. You have Nancy Pelosi saying, well, no, it's in it. We, we have to we pass it. And now what's in it, we're seeing our, our, our uh, fees costs going through the roof. And, and this year, it's going to be worse. This October, this November, check out your health care costs across the country. Many of the biggest providers are pulling out of markets. United Health Group pulling out of Yeah, but how do you get anything done? How how can you get anything done if you can't get a single vote from the other party? I mean, you almost have well, to that, ram well, it no, down no, their it, throats it, it, or, or you're no, just it, paralyzed. Not, no, no, it's not about getting a single vote. It's it's about how how about was your point? How about inviting the other party to become part of the conversation? How about, how about this? Com- how, how about some common ground? How I mean, about each party yeah, but how about each party not driving out their own moderates? How a about problem. that? Uh, by the way, by, by the way, it's, it's not just the, the and, and by the way, a problem, and it's not just the party. It's kind of the nature of the system. It's the nature of reapportionment. We're, we're a much more divided society, and so all you got to do to get elected today is is uh, is to be the most conservative person in a Republican district, the most liberal person in a Democrat district. You don't have to worry about the other side because your your, your party controls the district. And as a result, you know, you could be in the, in the old days, you used to join the, the Lions Club, you worked in the neighborhood, neighborhood pickups, and all of a sudden somebody said, you know, that Rebecca Costa, she's pretty smart. She should maybe run for the school board, run for city council, and you do that. Next thing they say, well, you should run for Congress. And you've been part of the community. Today, you, you can sit in your mother's basement, you know, blotting out a blog, beating the heck out of the other side. Some talk, radio talk show host is going to say, this guy's the best thing since sliced bread because he's kind of way out there. And in the end, you know, all you got to do is appeal to the most radical elements in your party to get a nomination. It makes it tough. So it makes well, that's it tough. another reason all the, all the media has, has become. Let me be optimistic. I, yeah, I want to be optimistic because me- you got somebody, you got somebody like Paul Ryan, who's Speaker of the House, 
yeah. who I, I think really has you know, he's laid out a better way forward. I mean, he he, he is a constructive force. He I, I came into the Republican Party and the Jack campus. He did. He's out there with a plan to deal with poverty, with a plan to deal with health care, with a plan to deal with the economy. And, and so I, I think that that, that you know, I don't want to kind of pay pox on all your houses. There are there are folks out there. There are voices out there uh, that are trying to make a difference. And, 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 and so I, I still have some optimism in spite of these these are not really good times, uh, both at the look at the presidential election and kind of what do we have. Uh, but there are there are good folks out there who do want to get things done. And and uh, and, and I have hope. Well, I still get back to if you don't have moderates that can broker compromise between the two parties, this is what you have. You have gridlock. And and you I, either yeah, have gridlock I'm, or you I'm have extortion. Right. I mean, yeah. you have gridlock or you have extortion or you have the Oval Office, uh, you know, taking on more powers such as calling the Iran agreement an agreement by the executive office as opposed to something that should have been a treaty. Absolutely. And right. I mean, I, I've talked that. to Alan Dershowitz about this, uh, you know, many, many times. We've had many conversations about this. There's no question in my mind that the Iran nuclear agreement should have been a treaty. Absolutely. Uh, but you absolutely. but you give it a new name and you take it over so that you could get something done. And I get the impression that what we're looking at now uh, is a lot of workarounds that are very dangerous and threatening to the Constitution. No, no argument on this end. None whatsoever. <laughs> and one of my, but one of my, don't get me on my soapbox here. <laughs> about the, I feel like I've got a mirror work, mirroring each other here. But you know, one of my biggest concerns with this president was that when he came in, there was an opportunity to say no red states and no blue states. There was an opportunity to pull together, to, to pull together, uh, and and. that's not one of the things that he did. Uh, You know, America is not more united today and you can't just blame it on the Republicans. Uh, We're not united united in race. We're not more united in terms of ethnicity. We're not more united in terms of religion. We're not. And and the, and the Oval Office has an incredible capacity to actually kind of pull that together. We didn't see it. We're much more divided today. So I'm hopeful that whoever the next president is, they understand that their responsibility is to pull this country together, to pull together. And and it's my fervent hope that we kind of look back at the things that didn't work and, and still reflect on the greatness of America, say we've st- it's still here, it's the opportunities here, and figure out a way to do it. This president did not do that, and, and I think, that, and that broke my heart, because I, I was one who wanted him to succeed. The president well, of the United States, my country, and, and I just, I didn't see him make the effort to kind of pull this country together, and as a result, uh, we're not in a very good place today. I, I agree with you 100%. I will tell you that I am hoping that there'll be a resurgence of moderates that will run for office, <laughs> you know, because I see both the Republican and Democratic Party has not supported those moderates. In fact, they, they, the more extreme both parties has become, the less support that they've given those moderates. And those moderates were the connective tissue that kept government moving forward. And you were one of those moderates, clearly, changing parties from Democrat to Republican. Clearly, you were a critical uh, a person in uh, moving the, the agenda of the country forward. Now, we have to take another scheduled break. Uh, when we return, we're going to hear about Mr. Coleman's work with Voices of Vietnam, so I want you to stay tuned. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, recent winners of the best sparkling wine in the U.S. in the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. Congratulations, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So what is it about your Brut Cuvée that beat all the other competitors around the world? We really focus on creating an expression of the Santa Lucia Highlands and doing it the right way. And when you control the process from the beginning to the end and you have talent like Michelle and top-tier grapes, they really shine through. This was a worldwide competition. It was definitely a humbling experience. We were in a room with producers that have been making wine for over 100, 200 years and was a huge honor to have Tom Stevenson give us the best U.S sparkling wine award we fared really well overall we had three wines win best of class which was great visit the caraccioli tasting room on dolores street in carmel by the sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone 831-622-7722 
Paid for by No One Fifty Six. Stop the special interest tax grab. Major funding by Philip Morris USA Inc. and R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company with a coalition of taxpayers, educators, healthcare professionals, law enforcement, labor, and small businesses. Have you heard about Prop Fifty Six? The wealthy special interests behind it are telling us Prop Fifty Six is all about helping people stop smoking. But follow the money, and you'll find out that only thirteen percent of the new taxes would actually help people quit or keep kids from starting. Just thirteen percent. Instead. Most of the annual $1.4 billion in new tobacco taxes goes to health insurance companies and other wealthy special interests. And even worse, Prop 56 was purposefully written to undermine our Constitution's minimum school funding guarantee, allowing special interests to divert at least $600 million a year away from our schools. Not one penny of the new taxes would go to improving our kids' schools. Say no to the wealthy special interests using the ballot box to increase their profits. Say no to cheating our schools out of at least six hundred million dollars a year. Learn more about Prop Fifty Six at noone56.com. Schools back in session. Bad news for the kids. Great news for RVers. Hello, folks. Michael Olson here with Rena Mills, the owner of RV Service Center, twenty-five twenty-five Mission, north end of Santa Cruz, right next to California One. Rena, it is a great time to be an RVer. Yes, Michael, that's true. Weather is fantastic in Santa Cruz County, so get your RVs tuned up at RV Service Center. You have any special inducements to get people ready to hit the road this autumn? Yes, Michael, we do. Any Anytime you have any damage on your RV, we can help you get an insurance claim started. And with that insurance claim, we offer a free gift certificate equal to the value of your deductible when you have your insurance work done at RV Service Center. Wow, that means like a free repair almost. Yes, it does, Michael. That's just money in your pocket, and in the gas tank, and on the open road. Folks, bring your RVs down to RV Service Center here at the north end of Santa Cruz Twenty Five Twenty Five Mission. Have your RV all tuned up by RV Service Center, and away you go. Coast Paper and Supply, a proud member of Think Local First, is positively impacting our environment. They're providing green businesses with eco-friendly cleaners, food service products, and other biodegradable items. Coast Paper and Supply is located at 151 Josephine Street in Santa Cruz, and is open weekdays 8 a.m. to 4:30 p.m. You can give them a call at 831-423-3350. That's 831-423-3350, or visit coastpapersupplyinc.com. I'm Steph. I'm Rob. And, and we're, we're out, out in Santa Cruz. Cruz. Every Saturday at 7 p.m., we explore local, national, and global LGBTQ stories and interview the newsmakers you don't want to miss. It's fun. It's fabulous, and even <gasps> controversial. He's the gay dad blogger, and I'm the queer political sports fan. Out in Santa Cruz, Saturdays, 7 p.m. Streaming and past shows on KSCO.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is former Senator of Minnesota Norm Coleman, and we were talking about the gridlock and uh, in our nation's capital and the overreach uh, of the Oval Office in an effort to try to get something done. And I apologize for having to take a hard break, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish your comments there. Yeah, I, I was I was concerned because you keep talking about moderate, and it's not a, it's not about something that may get any pressure. It's kind of the mushy middle. The reality is that you can be a principled conservative, but have some humility. Actually, believe that maybe someone on the other side has something to say. You know, reflecting on you know, the good Lord gave us two ears, one mouth. Use them in that proportion, uh, and and find a way to work together. Tom Coburn, former senator from Oklahoma, was a principled, principled, hardcore conservative. He worked with Barack Obama when they were. He actually they, they, he worked with folks on the other side. Uh, so so it, it's not about just kind of being in the mushy middle. It, it's about having principles, bringing them to the table, but, but having the humility to understand that somebody else may have something to offer, and, and, and you can't always get everything your way. That, 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 that it's, it's, maybe you have to yield a little in order to move the cart forward, in order to, to move us forward. In the end, people expect us to get things done. It's it's not about it's 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 I see I say Minnesota used to know the, the Scandinavian no offense to Scandinavian listen to the Norwegian who like loved his wife so much he almost told her 
Okay, it's not it's not how much you care. Okay, it's it's are you do you do it? If you can't if you if you really care, you got to do something. You got to do something. Uh, and so I just want to be careful that we're not kind of stuck in these phraseology of now you got to be in this kind of moderate mushy middle. You can be principal conservative, principal liberal, but but be willing to reach across the aisle in order to move the ball forward. That that's what I think are the, the people want. They want they want government not to be able to oppress them. They want them to kind of help shape that that environment of opportunity. And you only do that if if you're willing to kind of find some common ground and get something done. I, I hear what you're saying. I guess I feel that people that are moderates are, uh, they're open-minded and there's nothing wrong with being open-minded. You know, my dad used to have a saying, which when I really think about it, didn't make any sense at all. But when he said it, it sounded good. <laughs> and his saying was a good idea doesn't care who has it. It's just a good idea. That That's it. And he used to remind me of this when I was a teenager and I used to like to argue with him a lot. He'd say, hey, 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 a good idea doesn't care who has it. And I guess that there's something about moderates or, as you say, people that are uh, more open-minded uh, or in the middle uh, that are they're pragmatists. You know, they're they're willing to listen because if you got a better idea, they'll they'll switch gears. And this confuses a lot of people because I'll advocate for one thing, but if you show me I'm wrong, boy, I'll switch teams right now. Well, by the way, your your dad obviously didn't raise and mom didn't raise dumb kids, so you listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he said, you know, don't don't get so caught up that you got the right idea, you know, and yeah. uh, and I and I think he's right about that. But that does not make me spineless. It just makes me, well, that, that uh, you know, open point. and listen. My, that was my point. Okay, and by the way, I teach my kids the same thing. I really do. I I really think of them to have a sense of humility and and uh, be willing to kind of listen to someone on the other side and. Uh, I, I think you'll achieve great success in life if you can do that. Now, I want to talk about humility because you uh, ran against Al Franken in Minnesota, one of the toughest elections, the closest elections. And uh, the fact is, if people don't remember, only a fraction of the 4,800 rejected ballots were allowed to be counted in the end. But when the court made a unanimous decision in favor of Franken, based on 312 votes, I want everybody to really understand how close this was, you did the right thing. You conceded. You, 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 You stepped down. Now, 312 votes, that should sound the alarm for everyone this election, shouldn't it? Well, it really should, by the way. Uh, and, and, and by the way, that, that's why I actually believe in things like voter ID, not not to suppress votes, but to make sure that there's like one vote per person. You know, in, in, in my case, there were 19 precincts in Minneapolis that had more votes than voters. Uh, and, and in the end, an election that I was ahead, election night, ahead when all the machines were counted. In the end, after the recount behind. But, but I really felt, Rebecca, that after nine months, you know, for the good of the system, I could have appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the, what our Supreme Court ruled that, that, in fact, there were different standards applied to, to counting ballots in different counties, but there was no, no intent, no showing that there was a malicious intent to do that, but clearly different standards. And unfortunately, in my case, the Republican counties had the strictest standards. So it's a vote that was allowed in liberal in, in Democrat county, uh, heavily Democrat. That same vote, same absentee vote, is not allowed in a Republican county. All that said and done, there needs to be some finality, uh, and and that's the beauty of our democracy: that that one side wins, the other side wins, and and, and we move forward. And so in the in the end, I've always believed that you know the good Lord, a door shuts, a window opens. Uh, I, I've, uh, you know, my life is I'm still deeply involved in uh, things in Washington. I, I run the, uh, I run the Congressional Leadership Fund. It's the, the super PAC for the Republican House, American Action Network. Uh, I'm involved in a range of things. But, but Rebecca, I do get to go home and go fishing on weekends. <laughs> well, we're all so, jealous. We yeah, are all so jealous of that. But, but you, you, you got to, but, but please, the folks out there, every vote counts. 312 votes out of two and a half million that are cast. Uh, I'm ahead by 700. Or the original election night, then some exchanges get get checked again. Now it's 250. I'm ahead, uh, and in the end, I end up. You know, there's uh, Al Franks in the Senate. And by the way, that's how Obamacare gets passed. If that election doesn't change, we don't have Obamacare. I, yes, and so uh, that's there right. Are consequences. There are consequences to election. Really, it matters who's in office. And it matters if people don't turn out and vote. And so I, I have a prediction, unfortunately, based on the way the two major candidates are behaving. I think we're going to have a low turnout. And I hope that's not the case, because even though I'm struggling 
between the two leading candidates, I am going to make a decision and vote. I think it's the right thing to do, and we all have to turn out. Now, I before we lose you, I, I do want to make time to talk about another program that you are uh, working on very diligently, and that is the Voices of Vietnam program. Uh, this is an organization that's bringing attention to many thousands of women who were brutalized by South Korean soldiers during the Vietnam War. And these are crimes that have gone undocumented, unreported until very recently. So tell us about how you got involved with that organization. Well, and, it, and, it, and it breaks my heart. So, so you know, I mentioned in, uh, in St. Paul, we have a, a pretty strong uh, you know, Vietnamese community. Uh, we're always very close to them. As I said, we have a Hmong community. We have one of the largest Somalians. So we're always close to them. And I was also on the Foreign Relations Committee. I, I have always, you know, stood up for systematic violence uh, in, in regard to, to uh, uh, as of right, to, to, to Turkey and Armenia, you know, to say, hey, if the Holocaust went on, you've got to recognize it. I'm a Jew. Okay, I understand about how I understand bad things happen and, you, and the world has to recognize them. And here you have 320,000 South Korean troops in, in Vietnam during the war, systematic forcible rape of thousands of Vietnamese women. And then these kids kind of get brought up, brought up in the shadows where we're afraid lie down hand, mixed blood, you, you know, 5,000 to 30,000 of these mixed Korean Vietnamese ancestry kids living in the shadows. The sad thing, Rebecca, is that there are only about 800 elderly Vietnamese women who are still alive. Who, who who suffered the, the victim assault? It would be a wonderful thing uh, if there was an apology from the South Koreans. It's a wonderful thing that the voices of Vietnam are kind of raising up so that these voices can be heard, uh, so that these kids can be cared for. Uh, and so, you know, the, the the struggles of these women, the experience have rejected more than four decades, you know, by by uh, the, the people and the government of Korea. I'd, I'd like to see that change. It's interesting. We we saw, I, I think, a very uh, uh, important agreement between the the uh, Japanese uh, and the uh, and the and the Koreans during during uh, you know recently. Yes. Uh, by the way, which North Korea has been shooting at. Okay, and and so you know, if no one can erase the memory of what happened, but you know, acknowledging the suffering and an apology for sexual violence would be a wonderful thing. People have gone back, looked back to history, and said, "Hey, we made a mistake. There were things done that shouldn't have been done." And I think before the rest of these folks pass away, that 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 something has to happen. That there has to be a recognition and acknowledgement, uh, and and somehow ease the suffering a little bit. Yes. Now, uh, before we lose you, is there a website people can go to to get more information and about the Voices of Vietnam? I, I'm going to get that to you before. I am. I, I don't have literally that in front of me, but I'll get mm-hmm. you that information. Hopefully you can put it on the air. My, my humble apology. No, they, they can Google Voices of Vietnam. There's a no, lovely yeah, film. Yeah. Uh, that gives testimony and gives the background of not only the women that were violated, but also the children that are living through that nightmare. Again, uh, I know we have to lose you, Senator. Thank you for joining us today and uh, come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The very best to Rebecca. Take care. We have to take our final intermission, but stay tuned for an update on the current race to the White House. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is changing the way organizations work. From data-driven marketing and ad targeting to the connected car, Big Data is fueling product innovation and new revenue opportunities. It's creating a culture in which business and IT leaders join forces to realize value from all data. They infuse analytics everywhere and make speed a differentiator, gaining competitive advantage from faster, more informed decisions. Leading organizations are creating new business models, developing new roles, and defining new big data architectures, including an infrastructure that can manage and process exploding volumes of structured and unstructured data, in motion as well as at rest, while protecting data privacy and security. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. In the opening of All Quiet on the Western Front, 
Eric Maria Remark wrote, This book is to be neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all, an adventure. For death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will simply try to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. Today, Project Healing Waters offers men and women that have escaped the shells of war the opportunity to heal by teaching our returning veterans to fly fish in some of the most beautiful, tranquil rivers in our country. These natural surroundings have the ability to restore the human spirit, and with your help, Project Healing Waters is able to reach out to thousands of our men and women in the military every year. For information on how you can help, go to projecthealingwaters.org. Please give and give generously to those who have put their lives on the line for you. That's projecthealingwaters.org. Help those who have escaped the shells of war and need your help to come all the way back. Paid for by No NZ. Stop the oil and gas shutdown. Major funding by Era Energy LLC and Chevron Corporation. Sometimes things aren't quite what they appear to be at first glance. That's the case with Measure Z, the energy shutdown measure on Monterey's November ballot. Monterey County has been safely producing oil under the most stringent environmental regulations in the world for nearly 70 years. But now a deceptive ballot measure could pull the plug on our long history of safe energy production. Experts say we'll lose nearly 1,000 good-paying jobs in Monterey, 1,000 people in the county out of work, and Measure Z will cause the county to lose nearly $200 million in economic output and will lose millions more in tax revenue for already underfunded local services, like our police and fire departments and our overcrowded schools. That's why the Monterey County Farm Bureau, the Monterey County Deputy Sheriff's Association, and the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of the Central Coast have all come together to urge you to vote no on the energy shutdown measure in November. Cash flows and money move. The Money Moves show is dedicated to delivering tips and tools to help you earn more, save more, and protect your hard-earned assets. Host Pamela Fugit-Hetrick interacts with her guests and callers every Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Recent topics have included what is going on locally with health insurance, tips to maximize your Social Security income, how do you build an emergency fund for your family, Medicare 101 tips, how do you choose and pay for home health care, and many other topics. So tune in, take notes, call and get answers to your financial questions from Pamela Fugit-Hedrick on Money Moves, Thursdays at 7 p.m. That's Money Moves, Thursdays. 7 p.m. on KSCO AM 1080 Santa Cruz and KOMY 1340 Watsonville and 104.1 on your FM dial. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and Senator Coleman had a prior commitment and had to leave us a little early today, uh, which offers me the perfect opportunity to give a short update on where we currently stand in the presidential election. Uh, Presently, the Real Clear Politics national polling average has Secretary Clinton leading Donald Trump by, let's say, roughly 4.1 points. Uh, they consider real clear politics considers 16 states, battleground states. I, I don't know how 16 make it, but um, and of those 16, Trump is uh, still ahead in Iowa, Ohio and Arizona. North Carolina and Nevada are in what can only be described as a statistical tie well within the margin of error. And the rest have Mrs. Clinton ahead by two or more points. And as far as the uh, electoral college votes go, uh, as of this moment, Clinton appears to be ahead of Trump by, let's say, it looks like it's 72 uh, points. In in terms of overall favorability, Clinton appears to be the more favorable candidate. Uh, You know, it it keeps varying anywhere from 6 to 10 uh, points ahead of Trump. So the negative attack ads against Trump do not appear to be hurting Clinton as many analysts have predicted they would. And now there's a big scuttle that Clinton is advertising on the Weather Channel and taking advantage of people uh, in crisis in the state of Florida. And we're going to have to see if that has any effect on uh, how the, uh, the vote looks in Florida. 
Now, it's too early to tell whether the vice presidential debate had any serious impact on the battleground states. It's not looking like it did uh, at first blush, though I do believe that most analysts agree that Pence came out ahead in that debate. The general consensus has been that Pence uh, did not take the so-called bait offered up by his opponent, Tim Kaine, as Kaine pounced again and again on Trump's past gaffes. Uh, Pence successfully avoided defending Donald Trump's statements and positions, and instead he he made it a point to pivot either to his own views or to an equivalent Clinton weakness or discrepancy. Uh, It's also been noted that this year's voters are reacting extremely negatively to the candidate that interrupts and talks over their opponent uh, or the moderator as well. And that's something the two leading candidates will want to keep in mind when the second and third debates uh, take place. Uh, The most negative scores uh, were those that were posted when uh, interruptions were going on and when people were sort of bullying their way, verbally bullying their way into the conversation. Now, as we enter the fourth inning of the race to the White House, we see that the Clinton campaign is zeroing in on temperament as an issue and is portraying Trump as a loose cannon. And Trump's campaign is continuing to bang the drum of security, immigration, the economy, along with uh, whether Clinton is trustworthy Uh, and uh, competent to uh, continue Obama's uh, policies. The military generals have weighed in on both sides. There's a long line of them on both sides, and so have former senators, governors, congressmen and women, civic leaders, and even celebrities. It's not likely that further endorsements will give either candidate much of a lift unless Mother Teresa comes back and makes a surprise appearance at one of those rallies. That said, there are still a few factors which could have a dramatic effect on the undecideds who, in such a tight election, may end up choosing the next president of the United States. First, we do not know or have any control over whether WikiLeaks or some other independent organization or hacker releases some previously unknown or unseen emails or documents before November 8th. We saw the effect the DNC emails had on voters and WikiLeaks has made claims that they have many more. And no one, I repeat, no one knows what WikiLeaks has or when they will go public with what they have. They're not exactly on a schedule. We don't even know if they have Donald Trump's tax records. So that is one potential time bomb lurking out there which could affect the November 8th outcome. Another issue which might sway large number of voters is if either candidate has a health scare. Another trip or collapse by Clinton would be devastating. Just as devastating as any negative health information which may come forward about Trump. And let us not forget that foreign governments have a tremendous ability to sway voter sentiment in the United States as well. An attack on a military vessel or U.S. soil would likely drive undecideds toward the current GOP ticket. Uh, This is the way it normally works. So the actions of foreign governments leading up to Election Day matter a great deal in as close a race as we have going this year. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, we often hear about the dangers of foreign governments contributing to election coffers, and uh, they're backing certain candidates in the media. Uh, We also talk about how foreign nations might have ways to rig and manipulate the voting process. But in truth, there are much easier ways to manipulate a U.S. election where foreign governments interested in doing so. By simply ratcheting up the perception of danger uh, and threat, they can whip up human emotion, emotion that would cause us to put our safety and survival above all other things and then vote accordingly. And that's certainly something that we ought to be thinking about as well. And speaking of making our survival a priority, I want to tell you about a new sponsor of the Costa Report, Michael Zwirling, the founder of ZBS Radio Associates. Michael, or MZ as he's known, is a self-made millionaire who's operated KSCO AM 1080 in Santa Cruz, California for over 25 years. But what's truly fascinating 
is that MZ didn't make his fortune in radio or by working for others. He built his wealth by thinking outside the box. And now he wants to share his success with you to help you get out of the rut of working day after day just to pay your bills. He knows what that is like, and he's vowed never to let that happen again to himself or anyone else willing to listen. And in the coming months, you're going to hear tips on this program from MZ and people who have followed his advice. Pay close attention and keep an open mind. And then check out the videos and the websites that he recommends. Make sure you do it. There is still opportunity in the land of opportunity. Let MZ show you how easy it is to turn your financial situation around today and do it all on your own terms. And that's what it is all about. It's all about doing it on your own terms and being able to do it here in the United States where we still have freedom of choice. And that, my friends, I think is getting close to wrapping up our first hour. Uh, If your station is leaving us after the first hour and you have a question or comment to make about our interview with Senator Norm Coleman or our election update, I have to tell you, I really enjoyed talking to Norm Coleman. You do remember, I hope you all remember that nine-month battle that he fought in the state of Minnesota against Al Franken. Boy, was that something. I kept a close tabs on that because I wanted to see how it would all fall out, particularly when they were down to 4,800 votes and uh, and only a small fraction were allowed to be counted. I, I thought it would probably go toward Al Franken and... And uh, I, I met a couple of I made a couple of one dollar bets. That's my top bet, and uh, and um, of course I I did collect. <laughs> I collected. Uh, but if you have any comments about our our discussion with Norm Coleman today, you can email me at rebeccacosta.com. You can also drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and if you missed the full interview with Coleman, you can download the entire episode from our website at rebeccacosta.com. My guest next week is former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, who has thrown his support behind Gary Johnson and whose new book lays out a clear case for legalizing marijuana and is kicking up a great deal of controversy. So don't miss the always entertaining Jesse Ventura. He'll be here next week right here on the only news magazine that puts policy ahead of politics. Again, I want to thank my first hour guest, Norm Coleman, for stopping by. I know he was between planes and made a special point to uh, come on our program. And I appreciate hearing from him very much. In particular, I hope that you'll visit the website Voices of Vietnam to get some background on his recent work in making sure that the South Korean government acknowledges the war atrocities which were committed in Vietnam by their military. Uh, Again, that's uh, Voices of Vietnam. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to The Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.